If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Issues that dominate America. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, it's time for Hour 2, Big Hour 1 behind us. Now we look forward to a Big Hour 2. You are watching State of the Nation on TNT, today's news talk. I'm Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. There's Brian McLean, a.k.a. Hesher. He's in Central Texas. Uh, Hesh, we got a big hour here. Yeah, and we got some we ju- great guests lined up. I'm excited. Oh, man. I, yeah, we do. We really do. But before we get into that, let's get into this. Last December... Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether uh, Julian will have permission to appeal this case or whether he will be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting live and covering both days if that's what it takes. Uh, And then TNT will be broadcasting from various locations throughout London. Also, remember this now, the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, uh, will be held at the Rio Cinemas on Sunday, the 18th of February at 1 p.m. The film will be followed uh, by a panel discussion and a Q&A with Tariq Ali and Kristen Afrinson and hopefully Stella Assange. Uh, and and get, you know get some answers here to find out more. Go uh, Google the search for the trust fall, Julian Assange London premiere. Just put that in your uh, Google engine or use DuckDuckGo if you want, uh, and, and track that down as we help light the fuse of freedom on today's news talk TNT. Um, that's going to be a big event for sure. Um, well, you know, Hesh. Today's a pretty big day inside Washington. A lot of people may not know this, but as we speak, Tony Bobolinsky is testifying, uh, and we've got a little bit of pre-screening of what he's going to say. Joe Biden enabled his family to sell access to dangerous adversaries, so testifies Tony Bobolinsky. Now, I'm reading this from the New York Post, but this is what he said. Joe Biden enabled his son, Hunter, to sell access to the United States Uh, United States' most dangerous adversaries, including the Chinese Communist Party, Russia, and more. Uh, The First Son's ex-business associate, Tony Bobolinsky, is expected to testify to that effect today, and I'm sure he probably has. Some of the highlights here, uh, Bobolinsky will testify that from his direct personal experience, it is clear that Joe Biden was the brand being sold by the Biden family. Quote, His family's foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine and elsewhere sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. Joe Biden was more than a participant in in, and beneficiary of his family's business. He was an enabler, despite being buffeted by a complex scheme to maintain plausible deniability. The only reason any of these international business transactions took place with tens of millions of dollars flowing directly to the Biden family was because Joe Biden was in high office. Bobolinsky will add, the Biden family business was Joe Biden, period. The Chinese Communist Party, through its surrogate, China Energy Company Limited, or CEFC, is a CCP-linked Chinese energy 
conglomerate. They successfully sought to, to infiltrate and compromise Joe Biden and the Obama-Biden White House, Bobolinsky will say, noting that work on this began in 2015 and continued through when Joe Biden left office in January of 2017. Somebody might want to remind him of that. And March 2018, he further is expected to say Joe Biden was, and this is a quote, was aware of the CEFC transaction, enabled it, and had a constitutional responsibility and obligation to the American people to shut it down before it began. That's because CEFC has been identified as a known surrogate of the Chinese Communist Party by the U.S. government uh, and prosecutors in the Southern District of New York as far back as 2016, possibly earlier. This should this should have made any business transaction with CEFC a non-starter. Meanwhile, Bobolinsky will also testify that he quote personally met with Joe Biden in Los Angeles in May of 2017 multiple times to discuss the broad contours of his of of our business dealings. Man, you know, Bobolinsky came out and this was the, was the shot heard around the conservative world when he came out a year and a half or so ago. The mainstream media buried it. Bobolinsky became the butt of a joke, kind of became a punchline, and then they never talked about him again. But he's got the state secrets, and it sounds like that's what he's going to share today, and probably already has, uh, to the House Oversight and House Judiciary Committees. And I can't wait to get the uh, get the readout on this thing, but uh, what do you think about all this? Yeah, well, the return of Bobolinsky itself is newsworthy, right? Uh, you and me and our, our colleagues, uh, Lynn Shaw and others, have all been asking, where, where, where's Bobolinsky? What happened to Bobolinsky? I thought we were going to see some fireworks with regards to this. Well, here it is. And look at that, business dealings with Russia. Huh, I thought those were frowned upon. The Joe, Bra Joe Biden brand. Yeah, that's a, that's a suffering brand right now. And to make this much money out of China, Ukraine, Russia, and elsewhere, you have to report these things if you're a government employee. You just have to. That's If you're a normal government employee and you're doing that kind of business, especially if you're holding a clearance, you have to report that stuff to your security managers. And they're making this sound like, uh, like that's not even a factor. That's always one of the things that I go back to, Steve. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just disgusting. You know, we hear so much about how it's a two-tiered system of justice. It's a two-tiered system of justice. I got news for you. It's way worse than that. It's a two-tiered system of reality. They live in their reality, and the rest of us live in reality reality. We know that what Bob uh, that what uh, Bob Alinsky is saying is true. He's apparently took loads of notes. He's got photographs. He's got evidence. He's got voice messages, all this stuff. And yet to the media... That, nothing to see here. So I'm glad to see Tony B come up and step up big and we'll see what, uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Hey, did you know that there's many ways that you can watch or listen to TNT? Why not stream us direct from our website, right on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device? You can also download our app from the app store. We even stream live on X, YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey, because we've got you covered on today's news talk, TNT. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society, and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, we are, uh, I, you know, we've been talking a lot in the last couple of months about crime. And usually when we talk about crime, we're talking about 
uh, in the case of New York City, illegal immigrants and uh, and what and and how that has ramped up crime, ramped up pickpocketing, ramped up uh, assaults, ramped up sexual assaults, even assaults on cops. But there's another crime that's going kind of under the radar, and it's really posing a real problem, and that is squatting. That's right. Squatters are now brazenly taking over people's homes. This is really uh, raising its ugly head in Atlanta. And when we read about it, we said, who better to talk about this than Mark Powell? Mark is the president-elect of the San Diego Association of Realtors. He's a friend of the program, and we welcome him back. Hello, Mark. Let's talk about squatters, man. Good to see you. How are you, buddy? Good to see you guys. I'm good. Yeah, Yeah, this squatting thing... I don't know if it's an organized crime racket, but I can almost see it being as such, where people are driving around saying that house is vacant, that house is vacant, go get them, boys. And that's what's happening. And in Atlanta, it's really taking off because not every state has the same laws on the books. Why don't you explain to us what's going on here with this wave of squatting? Well, it's not organized crime, but it's organized typically on the internet. So what happens is, somebody will find out uh, that a house is vacant. Now, when a realtor lists a house for sale, there's a button they can click. They can say this house is occupied or this house is vacant. And now a lot of this information is out on the internet. You have all these different online search platforms for people to look for homes. So if somebody does find a house that's vacant, listen to this, this is the scam that they do. They print out a lease. You can just get a lease off, off the internet or you can buy it from a store. They sign the lease, they forge the owner's name on the lease, and they break into the house. They transfer the utilities into their name. And then when the um, homeowner goes to the house and says, what are you doing here? They say, well, we live here. We're the lawful renters of this property. They go, no, you're not. I own the house. You got to get out of here. They call the police, but it is not a crime. This is a this is a civil matter. So the police look at the lease. They don't know if it's a valid lease or not. So they go, well, you have to evict them. Now, because of misguided leadership and poor decision making, legislators uh, didn't understand the unintended consequences of not being able to evict. They said, well, if we keep evicting people, we're going to increase our homeless population. So they've bogged down the system for eviction. So over here in California, you have to not pay your rent for three months. And then you got to go through this procedure that typically takes another three months. You, We had one person in LA that stayed in a house without paying for two years. But, but that's not the, the gist of it. Some of these squatters, they move in and they start doing illegal activities. There's prostitution going on, there's drug dealing. And if they tear the house apart and the landowner finally gets that property back, they have to pay for all the repairs. And m- many times in excess of uh, 25, 30, $40,000. Jeez. Absolutely amazing. You know, we were looking into this, Steve and I were looking into this before the show. Um, most recent estimate I've seen just out of Atlanta alone is 1,200 homes illegally occupied just in the metro area. Uh, that's that's staggering. That's a pretty big number. Well, this is all over the United States, but there's one state that really doesn't put up with that is Texas. So if you're in a place and you don't pay your rent, you're out. They're going to give you a few days. You got to you got to step up and pay your rent. So it's a lot of the states are these ultra liberal states that 
feel sorry for the people inside the house, but many times they don't realize that the homeowner is still paying a mortgage on the house. So they're paying for the house. Then they have a person squatting in the house. Then they finally beg the person, would you please leave? And they, the squatters know something uh, about cash for keys. Now, this is a program where, hey, if I give you cash, will you give me the keys to the house? So they end up negotiating this. Sometimes it costs them two, three, five, ten thousand $10,000 just to get this person who's illegally in the house out of it. But there was another scam that was going around that we had here in, in, in California. It was party squatters. Have you guys heard of this? No, what's no. that? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Sounds party fun. Squatting. Oh, it was fun. It was fun for the party squatters. So what would happen was some teenagers, you know, teenagers or maybe in their early 20s would find a vacant house, typically like a mansion. They'll break into the house. They'll use text messaging and they'll say, hey, we're throwing a rager. Here's the address. And then hundreds and hundreds of kids converge on this house. The homeowner is either out of town, doesn't know it's up for sale, and they end up doing a a squat party and they have these massive parties tearing up the house. The police are called. Who's the owner? Nobody's the owner. These are just people that are breaking into homes and throwing these big parties. Jeez Louise. I, you know, I, I understand, I understand the, uh, the idea of saying, look, uh, people are down on their luck. They can't afford the rent. Uh, give them a couple of months, you know, let them get, get, get back on their feet. You know, I get it. I mean, we're all sympathetic to that, but this is different. These are people that are taking full advantage, knowing the laws on the books, and they're taking advantage of it. And the way you describe it, uh, it, it sounds like, I mean, the, from what I hear, Mark, is that now it, it's incumbent upon the owner of the house to pay for everything. You pay yes. for the damage. Uh, you pay for the uh, you pay for the eviction. You pay for everything. In fact, here's an idea. Throw them 10 grand. Maybe they'll give you the keys back and leave of their own accord. And then you're only stuck fixing the drywall and fixing uh, all the other stuff that's been busted up in the house. Um, are any are any you said you mentioned Texas, which doesn't come as a shock to really anybody. Um, yeah. But are there any other states that are saying, I mean, it seems to me that this has got to be uh, legislated in a way that makes it very uh, punitive if you were to get caught doing this? Well, California came up with an idea because they know this was just devastating. And when it started to affect people that have multi-million dollar homes, you know, the home prices here are expensive. They have a non-trespassing letter. So it's this letter is called a 602 letter. And you file this letter with the police and it would notify the police saying, this house is vacant. But that letter was only good for 60 days. So, I mean, for 30 days. So if a, a police officer went to the house and there was somebody in there, they have this letter in their possession, they can just remove the person and they don't need to go through the eviction process. Well, that now has been extended to 12 months. So anybody who has a home that is vacant needs to file that letter with their local law enforcement. And I don't know if what all the rules are for all the states, but you file this 602 letter or letter of uh, a vacancy. So when the police do get there, it doesn't matter if the person has a lease or not. They go, nope, you don't have a lease because we have a letter that says this is vacant, signed by the owner, and they haven't removed the letter. Okay, the, the 602 letter. So that's something you can look up if you're minding a property or if you're away from your property. Uh, a lot of people sometimes inherit property. I've heard terrible stories of people who had inherited property 
and that can take time. You know, maybe your parent or whoever you know willed it to you lives in another state. Uh, that's one of the places where you're uh, very vulnerable. Um, Mark, we're just we're just about out of time here, but um, I, really quickly, I'm curious: did the uh, moratorium on evictions of the COVID area make this even worse? Oh, absolutely. You couldn't evict anybody during the COVID era. And just here in Southern California, if you guys have seen all the devastating floods that we had in San Diego and all over. So in San Diego, they identified, I, I think it's maybe 10 or 12 zip codes that if you are affected by the flood in those zip codes, there's currently now a 60-day moratorium on eviction. So let's say that somebody was just about to get evicted. Guess what? They just got another 60 day pass. So they're in there for another four, five, six thousand dollars that that uh, landlord is going to have to put up before they can go through the eviction process. Wow. Wow. Oh, mm -hmm. boy. Wokeism invades the, the land and property <laughs> yeah. markets. It's just absolutely insane. All right, Mark. Well, this is clearly something that's going to keep happening until our nation and our states get their heads out of there. You know what? So we'll have you back on for an update on this one. Always appreciate you, Mark Powell, right here on State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what, though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. TNT. All right, this segment is going to be a case of how it was going versus how it is going. Joe Biden is healthy and, quote, fit for duty, end quote. That is what the presidential physician, Dr. Kevin O'Connor, said almost exactly one year ago. President Joe Biden at the time underwent a routine physical at Walter Reed National Military Center just exactly... 362 days ago. The exam uh, details, uh, I don't know, his last health update, perhaps, uh, of the oldest president in history. And uh, that was right before his re-election announcement. Well, where are we now? Mr. President can't remember who's dead or alive, can't recall properly, uh, or believes in his own lies about his son, Bo. I'm not sure which. Uh, shakes hands with invisible people, slurs his words, shouts nonsensical phrases, and has been essentially disqualified from giving any testimony or long-form interviews because of his levels of confusion. 
Uh, the appearance of elder abuse is something that many are discussing in light of his uh, apparent cognitive decline. And joining us now to discuss is board-certified trauma and emergency specialist and a regular here at State of the Nation, our friend Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Victory, welcome back to State of the Nation. Now, we've broached this topic with you before, but how did things degrade so much in the last 362 days? Well, first of all, the contention that the president is healthy and fit is preposterous. And anyone with a lick of common sense or the powers of observation certainly knows it. I've been reporting on this since well before the 2020 election. It was obvious that long ago that the president is clearly suffering from a neurocognitive disease. Um, although it's, I, I have not examined him personally, I can tell you that he has every overt sign of Parkinsonian dementia. Uh, and this, as I said, well predated the past year. Uh, he had the shuffling gait and the tin soldier stiff arms, the flat facial expression, difficulty with word finding, losing his place on the teleprompter, and even the angry, inappropriate outbursts back then. The issue with these types of neurocognitive diseases is that number one, they are progressive. There is no cure. They don't go back in time. And two, they are nonlinear, which means that someone can go along at the same level uh, of decline for quite, a, for quite a while, being appear to be stable. And then all of a sudden the wheels fall off the proverbial bus. And we don't know when that's going to happen. It takes very little disruption, for example, in somebody's schedule uh, for someone with this type of neurocognitive disease to fall apart. They commonly suffer from what we call sundowning, which means that they may appear relatively uh, alert and aware and, and uh, stable during the early part of the day, but then come three or four o'clock in the afternoon, everything falls apart. And you may recall that for years now, they've been putting what they call, quote, a lid on the president's schedule very early in the day. It's quite uncommon to see him out in public after six o'clock in the evening. So what we've seen now, uh, fast forward, some years have gone by, the stress of the job, the stress of the nonstop, um, you know, exposure of Hunter Biden's, you know, misdoings and and the, all of these things together, plus a, an additional year of chronologic age. And lo and behold, Joe Biden is absolutely falling apart on the average day. I don't think he knows which end of the fork to use let alone, you know, which country is which and who, you know, the the leaders uh, of the of the free world are and, you know, who he's talking about on any you know given day. We see him having a very difficult time if he goes you know off script at all. And even when he's handed a script, he struggles with it because he can't follow with a teleprompter. He gets very easily distracted, loses uh, track of, uh, you know, his train of thought falls apart very quickly. And again, he is still really prone to those angry, inappropriate outbursts that we call frontal lobe behavior, uh, you know, where he blurts something out or, or is, uh, very quickly becomes uh, angry, for example, when somebody asks him a question. Yeah. <laughs> well, boy, that's it. Case closed. <laughs> He's done. Um, <laughs> you know, Dr. Victory, um, this is the second year in a row uh, that uh, that. President Biden has opted not to do the interview 
uh, before the Super Bowl. This has kind of become kind of a tradition where the president gets basically a free 20, 25 minutes of uh, in-kind donations. Uh, if if they're cognitively there, he would take that because that, especially this year, it's a campaign year after all, he got election coming up. But for the second year in a row, he turns it down. Then, then he releases a TikTok video talking about the, his anger at corporations that are shrinking the packages of potato chips. He called it shrinkflation. Now, the irony of all of this, of course, is that a year ago, President uh, Biden said no more TikTok on government devices. You can't down if you work for the government, you better not have TikTok on your iPhone. And then he releases a TikTok video. <laughs> um, it's it's just so bizarre. But today, the White House came out and said. We're not going to take he, the president does not. And angrily said he's not going to take a cognitive test. He doesn't need to mind you when they asked Trump to do it. He did it a couple of times. But if he could pass that test, he would have taken it in a hot minute just to get all this behind him. The fact that he angrily says he will not take it. What does that tell you? Well, clearly, you know, he protests too loudly. Um, it, there's no question they cannot allow him to do anything where he's in a position to ad lib. Uh, at best, he's able to read off of a teleprompter or to answer a well-rehearsed set of questions. How many times does the president slip up and say, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm taking an extra question because they know his handlers know he is going to fall apart and the gaffes are going to start coming. Even when he has a script to follow, he really, really struggles. So there's two components to this. There's the physical components, which, as I said, were very, very clear more than four years ago. He has the prototypical walking pattern of somebody with Parkinsonian type disease. His difficulty once he starts walking, changing direction. You commonly would see even four or five years ago, someone take him by the elbow and physically turn him so that he can change direction. Difficulty with word finding, difficulty following or tracking on a teleprompter. These are all signs. The one thing I'd love to see and haven't had an opportunity to is a sample of his handwriting. People with Parkinsonian disease and Parkinsonian dementia develop what we call micrographia, interestingly. Their handwriting will start at a normal size, and then as they complete a sentence, it will become very, very small. And I'd love to see a sample of the president's handwriting uh, to prove my point. But he has every other sign of it. Uh, it was, what, four years ago on the trail when he called somebody a dog-faced pony soldier. Again, that inappropriate frontal lobe outburst where he told an auto worker to shut up. Um, these are things that were harbingers of what's to come. And again, because dementia is nonlinear, you just don't know what day he's going to wake up and honestly not be able to put two words together. Um, they're doing the best they can by limiting his exposure, never letting him ad lib putting, quote, a lid on his day very early on. And I guarantee behind closed doors, they're doing everything they can to keep his schedule as structured as possible. People with dementia are very much like little babies. If you disrupt their schedule at all, if you change their feeding time at all by 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they have a fall apart. 
I suspect the same thing's happening with the president uh, and the idea that special counsel came out and said, well, yes, we would prosecute this person if he were cognitively, uh, you know, with it enough that we could say he was, you know, fit to stand trial, we would, was really a, a damning indictment. Uh, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at the White House after that report came out. <laughs> yes, we would too. We would too. Uh, Dr. Victory, we have a TNT headline inbound but uh hang with us because on the other side i want to ask you basically if he was your patient what would your advice be to him if he came to you and said hey i got a debate coming up in uh in a few months here how do what what do you think about that so hold the line this is today's news talk tnt Big news. Big news. Big news. The biggest breaking news story. Holy crap. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The U.S. Senate, led by Democrats, passed a $95 billion international security assistance package, which allocates approximately $60 billion in aid for Ukraine. Senators J.D. Vance, Mike Lee, and Ron Johnson joined Vivek Ramaswamy and Elon Musk in a discussion on X-Base, criticizing the rapid advancement of a significant foreign aid package for Ukraine amidst its ongoing conflict with Russia. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Dr. Victory, what do you think? If Joe Biden was your patient and he walked into your office and, he, you know, you were able to confirm some of the things that you see, some of the overt symptoms, and he said, I have to be able to debate Donald Trump in a couple months, what do you think? Let me be very clear. I take no joy in the fact that uh, Joe Biden has a progressive dementia, independent of your politics. Uh, dementia is a cruel and brutal disease. Very difficult for the patient, very difficult for their family. I think it's unconscionable that he has not been pulled off the stage for his own dignity. Uh, not only is he a risk to our country from a national security perspective and the way we appear on the international stage because of the nonstop gaffes, but he's humiliating himself and the people who care about him, starting with Dr. Jill Biden, um, should be saying to him, it's time to step down. Let's have your last years in dignity and the privacy of your own home, surrounded by your friends and family. If I were his doctor, I would say, I'm sorry, you can't do this. You are in the really advanced stages of neurocognitive decline, and it's only going to get worse. And you really should not put yourself in that position. This is somebody who I guarantee would not be able to pass a driver's test. He would not be allowed to have a set of car keys. I guarantee he's very confused uh, multiple times a day. And the idea that he would stand up on a national stage and try to debate is just insane. He simply couldn't do it. But I really would implore the people around him, independent of your politics, have some humanity and give this man the dignity to step down and have the remainder of his years in the privacy and not under the, you know, the spotlight where people are constantly aware of his gaffes, his falls, his memory lapses, uh, his inability to control his speech, those sorts of things. Well, you know, Dr. Victory, this is one of many reasons why you will never be Joe Biden's <laughs> White House physician, 
<laughs> no, it's just, somebody, <clears throat> yeah, somebody needs to tell them the truth. And this is tough. And I don't know, you know, I truly, you have to ask yourself, why is it that his own family, that Jill Biden is allowing him to do this? Uh, my father suffered from a horrific neurodegenerative disease. And I'm telling you, you know, we as a family rallied around him to make sure uh, that he was never put in a position where he could humiliate himself um, or be exposed in a way that would, would be make it even more difficult for him. And that's what I would have expected his family and certainly his physicians to do. The idea that they are propping him up. Nobody has any illusions, I hope, that Joe Biden is actually running the country. Um, you know, he most certainly is not. As I said, uh, he's rarely or barely aware of where he is at any given moment. He's certainly not making the decisions. Uh, but if he had to debate, for example, anybody, um, if he had to, you know, debate the, you know, the family dog, he would lose because he wouldn't be able to keep track. Yeah, well, you know, and this is just it. I mean, some people, insiders are saying, and I've heard whispers, says seeing mostly online, that the good doctor, Dr. Jill, she's really an English teacher, but whatever, uh, Dr. Jill is being referred to as Mrs. Wilson, uh, hearkening back to uh, Woodrow Wilson's wife. Woodrow Wilson, of course, was incapacitated for the better part of the last year he was in office with a coma, and she was calling the shots, uh, and nobody in the country knew it uh, except for the closest advisors. I wonder if something like that is happening here. Uh, I, I, I mean, what you just said is so so telling. If anybody in that in his circle of advisors or family had any compassion, they would walk him gently out the door and they don't seem to have any of that right I, I don't think I, I don't I claim to know for certain, but I doubt very strongly that Jill Biden is actually uh, running the country, given her own level of uh, uh, you know her own expertise. I suspect it's more Barack Obama, Valerie, but she's a Jarrett, doctor. Susan Rice, and <laughs> yeah, she got, she. Have you ever read her dissertation? <laughs> it's really uh, it's Comedy Central. Um, but uh, but I do think that uh, she has an interest in staying in. In the uh, in the spotlight, and perhaps because uh, of the um, amount of protection that gives to Hunter Biden, I don't know. Uh, but as you said, rightly so, I think anyone with any compassion, anyone who actually cares about a loved one with dementia, would rally around and protect them from these constant uh, embarrassments. It really is humiliating for the president and humiliating for our country, but more so for him personally. Uh, and I think the right thing to do is to ask him to step down and let him serve out the remainder of his uh, his years in peace. Yeah, and it's not a, a far leap when you start asking why is the family not rallying around him to look at open source information and see that, oh, look, his there's like uh, nine members of his family that have received multi-million dollar deposits right. and hundred thousand dollar deposits over the year. And that in and of itself, that may or may not be why they are not rallying around him. But you certainly have to ask that question when you see this kind of money coming in from you know foreign business deals, influence peddling. Yes, I do think you have to question because the greatest protection for his family is to have Joe Biden sitting in the Oval Office. 
And so I, I really do wonder yeah. whether uh, that is what is motivating them, keeping him there despite his obvious uh, mental and physical decline, is that they are highly protected as long as he has that seat. Yeah, they want the pardon pen. That's what they want. Right. What they should do is say, you know what, Joe, pardon everybody and then leave. But that's what they're waiting. They, they just want his pardoning powers is what I suspect. But that's all just speculation. Yes, yeah, anyway. so you know, there's there's going to be an interesting it'll be interesting to see who actually appears, ends up on the uh, on the ballot come November. I strongly suspect it will not be Joe Biden. Um, I just don't think he can make it that long. I, I think that we're going to continue to see this downward trajectory um, of him you know, cognitively and physically. And I suspect that come uh, the middle of summer, he will be replaced. Yeah, well, we'll see. They may hold out and do it at the uh, at the convention. Dr. Kelly mm-hmm. Victory, as always, thank you for your expertise. It's wonderful, uh, wonderful to have you on the program again, and we'll look forward to doing it again very, very soon. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining Thanks. us today, man. Thank you. All right, you got it. There she goes. That's Dr. Kelly Victory. You're watching State of the Nation. We'll be right back on today's News Talk TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. According to people, the Earth's temperature, and I say people because I don't really consider the people saying this actual scientists. They may have degrees, but since they're using temperature as a metric for climate, they don't know what they're talking about. But according to them, this has been the hottest year on record, 2023. Now, that's interesting because the world population has gone over 8 billion. In fact, there are close to 70 million new people on the planet than there were back in 2022. Or put it this way, there are 70 million more. Now, I can't figure out if things are so bad, how come the population continues to increase? I mean, aren't we at a hellhole right now? Now, I realize most of you don't have degrees in meteorology, and that's fine. What we were taught at Penn State, back when Penn State used to not be a climate indoctrination school, well, maybe they're not now that Michael Mann has left and gone to the University of Pennsylvania, but we were taught that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. Wet bulb temperatures are a much better metric because, after all, water vapor is very important, right? So. If you know how much energy is in the air, and you know that a lot better with a wet bulb temperature, then you get a better look at it. See, it can be hotter, but if it's drier, there's no real change in the amount of energy in the air. Better than that, though, is saturation mixing ratios. Now, this really quantifies the water vapor. So let me ask you a question. If you want to track down the source of what warming is, would you use something that doesn't correlate at all to the temperature, CO2? Or would you use something that has a direct correlation to the temperature, which is water vapor? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. 
If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future, with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Well, this morning I woke up very early and I looked out my window to see if it was snowing and it wasn't. This was about 630 in the morning, but we had gotten warnings that we may get some snow. Maybe a nor'easter is going to be blowing through. And then it dawned on me, you know, about a month ago, Joe Bastardi was on State of the Nation and he said, be on the lookout. You, If you're on the eastern seaboard, mid-February to perhaps late February, March, you're going to get another blast. Well, 11 days ago, Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog, said there's going to be an early spring. And I said, well, I wonder if Joe Bastardi saw his shadow because he nailed this. Joe Bastardi joins us now. Joe, you are TNT's weather and climate watchdog. And I just want to say, you are were spot on. You said mid-February. I woke up after I went back to bed, and there was about four inches of snow on the ground. I'm thank I, I'm thankful uh, that it's melting now. But we got that blast you were talking about, man. Well, so it's congratulations. Not it's not done yet. We're going to get another snowstorm Saturday, I think, on the eastern seaboard. Um, four to eight inches, maybe from DC to uh to up to new york city it's not as cold as i thought it was going to be right now but that being said i think that uh through the month of march and even to around easter there are going to be uh storms and rumors of storms and that winter has a long way to go here uh there have been some great storms all the way to uh in the northeast to uh, april 9th 1982 uh there was a great storm for instance so you folks in the east, you're not done with snow uh, by a long shot. And, uh, you know, this storm, I think, woke a lot of people up. Now, we were at Weatherbell. We were very good on this storm. We kept insisting it was going to shift south. And I do want to give a compliment and a shout out to the uh, artificial intelligence model, because what happened was I had a certain idea that I thought was going to happen looking at the pattern. And I'm not saying I'm as smart as artificial intelligence, but I kept looking at that model and it kept disagreeing with all the other models and kept supporting my position. You see, I look at models and I go, well, do I have support uh, from some other source, some other objective source? So I, I like, I like uh, the idea of trying to use it, but it's the first time I've seen it get on something that the other models weren't seeing and stay on it and come out 
to be pretty good. So, yeah, we do have a lot of winter weather still left across the United States. California is going to fall into the ocean again uh, later next week and the week after, it looks like. So they'll be screaming atmospheric river and the whole bit. So anyway. And and wow. what about what what can we look for here in the south? It's uh, well, we had a cold weekend, but it's a beautiful uh, beautiful Tuesday today. Well, you're going to get another shot come through Friday and Saturday, and then generally warmer than normal weather for ten to ten to fifteen days. But I think March is going to be colder and stormier than normal across uh, across much of the United States, and that includes Texas. Uh, I, you know, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking spring itself is going to be starting later than normal uh, this year. Now, you know, we use calendar spring, which is March 21st, but the real start of meteorological spring is March, right? The three coldest months of the year are done. And this has been a fascinating uh, El Nino in that it really hasn't shown up that strong in a lot of places. In some places it has shown up. So there's a lot of variance going on with the weather. There's just a, yet another uh, article coming out today about this geothermal venting I'm talking about, the input of heat from the ocean, and they estimate there are 10 million hydrothermal vents. And this stuff is driving me crazy for a couple of reasons. One, no one wants to look at it. Uh, two, you're a crackpot if you do. And three, it has to be what's impacting the weather because we have these hot spots that develop in the ocean. And if you warm uh, parts of the tropical ocean two to three degrees Celsius out of nowhere, it's just appearing. Um, there's got to be a reason for that. And that kind of reason, if it's not something that you can anticipate, leads to chaos in the forecasting. So uh, in any case, um, uh, it's a very interesting, very interesting situation. Well, you know, Joe, I mean, I've been, I've been listening to the, uh, to the local uh, talk radio here around the New York Metro and one of the buzzes I've been hearing, not just from the weather folks either, but from the newscasters as well, and this this will come as no shock to you, I'm sure, is basically saying, well, you know, New York has not had a significant snowfall in several years. And this, of course, leads people to believe that global warming and anthropogenic global warming is the cause. Now, that's crap, but that's what they're going to say. Um, New York's um, last week. Uh, if I may say, yeah. New York's last snowstorm, remember we didn't have many snow last winter, but January 30th, 2022, uh, New York City had 15 to 20 inches of snow. I don't know if they don't think that's significant. And New York City has had more 20-inch snowstorms in the last 30 years than it's had in any 30-year period on record. So look, the uh, the the key to what these people say is that the average, they believe the average person has, as Ann Coulter once famously said, history began 10 minutes ago, so they don't have any recollection of the past. And what they do is, uh, because of the whole whole woke strategy of erasing the past, no matter what, I don't care what it is, they try to erase the past. Uh, they're relying on the fact that most people don't remember it. Most people believe that whatever's in front of them now, uh, they're like dogs. You know, if you if you have a if you have a ball. The dog goes crazy, hide the ball. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's no ball left. Never mind. I'm not looking for it, right? So what happens is people have that attention span. It's actually amazing watching what's going on. And I think it's because of all the trash we dump into our heads with these with social media, people constantly on their phone. I know one of the things I've got to do, and I've, I've been praying about it, is 
don't look at your phone before you look at your Bible. Like the first thing I do in the morning is I go, okay, let me see what's going on here. And I wake up, I get aggravated. Right. And, and, and so what happens is what does that do? Uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear this, but your soul's not built to be angry. Right. So as soon as you get into an angry state over whether Joe Biden said something wrong or whatever, I don't know why you get angry on that because he doesn't say anything right. So you got to be used to it by now. But uh, <laughs> the fact is that if you get that way, it really affects your mood the rest of the day. I'm in a bad mood now because of what happened. And some guy just wrote me this morning and said, hey, you were wrong on this being a Madoki El Nino. And he's explaining his reason. I go, you don't even know the definition of a Madoki El Nino because it isn't what we call Madoki El Nino. So you get this kind of stuff. And uh, part of it is uh, uh, when you have a lot of things coming at you, folks, that just consistently bombard you with information, whether it's correct information or it's non-correct information, it does affect you. And I think that uh, there's mass attention deficit disorder. Uh, whether in they rely on it with this climate change thing, they yeah. they rely on the fact that people have no idea what happened before, and it's astounding watching this uh, go on. It really is, Joe. You know, it's like we live in a, a a headline world, and we're lucky if you know a few people out of you know ten nearest to us are even looking at those headlines. Unfortunately, when all they do look at is headlines, uh, they're they're you know, they're sifting information through the, the propaganda sieve at that point. So, you know, it's uh, it's well taken point. You know, I, I look at this as a, a strategy of tension or a form of trauma based mind control that is just inherent in sort of the uh, I don't know, the, the feedback loops that, that are our media and and social media feeds. And, you know, it's it's a fact that they're damaging to the, the human spirit, you know, the, the human emotional state, you know, our responses to everything. It's like we internalize a lot of these things that are um, presented to us to cause outrage. And then, you know, we, we end up angry. And, you know, they say if you're, you know, they say if you hate something, you eventually become what you hate. So it's uh, it's a pretty nasty environment. Well, yeah, you see that with, uh, you know, the front runner in the Republican uh, situation, uh, you know, Donald Trump. I mean, <laughs> I, I, okay, I'm going to bring this up. Why do you open your mouth the day after Joe Biden goes on and makes a complete, you know, whatever you want to say of himself? Why do you have to come out and say stuff that immediately will get people saying, what the heck's this guy talking about? You know, like, okay, Nikki Haley's husband, for whatever you think of Nikki Haley, I'm not a Nikki Haley fan, but her husband's actually serving abroad. What are you doing screaming to yell, where's her husband? Where's her husband? Right. Like, why would you do that? And, and you know, it's just it's just that when you play to the crowd, no matter who you are or what your intention is, if you're going to play to the crowd rather than play to the reality or play in front of your heavenly father or whatever, you, uh, some higher calling, guess what's going to happen? You're going to just you just go do that. You will become. And that was a great point, Brian. You will become the very thing that you go after. And many times you recognize most in someone else what you know deep down inside in yourself. And that's it. That's yeah. what we're seeing. So imagine now you have all this social media, all this stuff coming, all this just really stuff that's insane. That is basically very, very tiny increments of our society uh, that are uh, you have to pay attention to this. You have to pay attention to that. Right. 
it'll drive you nuts. So yeah. while the, certainly all this is positive, I've just talked about this artificial intelligence model, for instance. I've been a big, uh, big detractor of it, but it's done a very, very good job, and it's given me confidence in my uh, my forecasts the rest of the way in for the winter, uh, which is good. So you know, I I don't when I use those models, I don't sit there go oh. I'm going to use the model. It's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to see if it's supporting the idea that I've come up with based on the pattern. Yeah. In other words, Joe, when you are looking at weather patterns and you are looking at forecasting, short forecasting, mid-range forecasting, even long-term forecasting, you might use the models as a tool in your tool chest uh, to help you determine if the the the, the forecast that you're, you're already coming up with, well, look here, this bears out too. My question about those, uh, be, and every time we have a winter, especially in the Northeast, Brian, this may exclude you down there in sunny Texas, but whenever we get a winter, we always start talking about the European model, and we always start talking about the uh, the American model and the international, whatever. I don't know them all, but that's what they go to. Now, talk to us about climate change. I don't know that any model has ever gotten anything even remotely close to right with well, regard to climate change. Uh, all right. Here, here's, here's, here's the models. I'm looking outside here in central Pennsylvania. We've got about three inches of snow on the ground, right? So did it snow? Yes, it snowed. Did it snow 15 inches? No, it did not snow 15 inches. Now, if the if you if I said to you, we're getting 15 inches of snow and we only get three inches of snow, I was right about it snowing, but I wasn't right as to the magnitude of it. And that makes all the difference in the world. There's 15 inches of snow, nobody's going anywhere. This is the same thing with the climate models. It's they said it was going to warm up. Well, guess what? It didn't warm up. Did it warm up as much as they say? Not even close. And that's because they rely on too much CO2 feedback. And uh, so, so when you look at the model that was closest, it was actually a model out of Russia that had no forcing from CO2 in it. And so they also believe that they also believe that uh, nature has tipping points, which is nonsense. Nature, especially when in, in regards to heat, because to make it warmer, you need to continue to put extra energy in. The mere fact that it is getting warmer means it's going to get warmer slower because the volume that you need needs to keep increasing. So the models don't see that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's such a loony bin. It really is. And the lack of, lack of these researchers not having forecasting backgrounds or some kind of humility about uh, what nature can do and what nature's God has done is basically what you're seeing. We're building a technological tower of Babel, which is which is what this is. Man trying to replace the good Lord above, and he thinks his models will do it. Think about this. Look, if you have models that you created and they can absolutely master the future and know the future, does that not make you God because you created something that's always correct? And if you do believe in God and you believe God knows the future, right, then you're obviously a God. I, I, the whole thing, the whole thing is the whole thing is more than just arguing over the World Economic Forum. There, there's a great book out I would advise everybody get their hands on called The Return of the Gods. It's by a rabbi, Dr. Uh, rabbi Jacob Cohen. And he argues in there that the same kind of 
evil influences that took over Israel when they turned their back on Jehovah are now present in uh, the United States is a fascinating read. So yeah. this, look, look, folks, this is what keeps me sane. If I understand it is actually there's something something going on behind the scenes here besides whether, uh, you know, Obama is actually running running the U.S. or, or whatever. Oh, we got we to gotta, we gotta cut it off there. Thank you, Joe Bastardi. God bless you, sir. We'll have you God back again. You. All right. That's going to do it for us on State of the Nation. We'll see you again tomorrow on today's News Talk TNT.